0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 167, coming at you about 24 hours later than expected. I am your host Nicholas Minnick, and joining me as usual during the week, as you know, Eno, You know, how are you today? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm not bad, thank you. I'm hoping you're geared up for a fine day of uh, hoops today.
1: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if you're if you're geared up for some hoops, that means you're definitely geared up to talk about Derek Holland, who has been ridiculously good since he's come off the disabled list. Something I didn't, I don't, I think we had, certainly didn't anticipate, because uh, I mean kind of considered him a little bit of a, don't want to say an underachiever but he has a home run problem uh he's gotten the control a bit under a problem but or a bit under control he's got the control a bit under control but wow i mean he's just he's been outstanding since coming off the disabled list which i think is really impressive considering the layoff the the, i mean I i could go on it seems like there are a lot of obvious things as to why it's incredible but uh uh, and you also just you have a you had a piece go up on him today so tell me what uh, fantastic things you observed about Derek Holland
1: well actually it's kind of interesting the um if you look at his sort of per pitch rates for this year everything looks amazing i mean he's getting uh the best uh, whiff rates on his changeup and his knuckle curve that he's ever gotten um and it suddenly looks like he does have a four pitch mix um you know in that uh, or at least a three pitch uh, four pitch where he had fastball uh, slider curve and change. Um, unfortunately, if you zoom out on his career, the only pitch that's plus and I mean only the only pitch that's plus is is uh, change up. I mean it's a uh, slider. He's got the uh, one of like a sort of a top three slider in the game over his career. Um, so that's a, that's a great slider, although you know from a lefty, you start thinking about platoon splits, and then you kind of want him to have other pitches. He has plus velocity, but the fastballs uh, over his career haven't looked so great uh, in terms of whiffs or grounders. Uh, and he throws. He thinks he said that wasn't in the piece today, but he says that he thinks he throws about seventy-five percent four seamers. So it's not going to be a great pitch for for um, for grounders anyway. So once you, know, you start thinking about platoon splits, you start thinking, okay, maybe this curve and this change is really important. It's great news that this year they've been getting uh, good whiff rates, but it's a super small sample. And if you look at the actual movement on the pitches, they haven't changed much. So um, you it's kind of hard to figure out where this stuff is coming from. I would say that he'd probably regress uh, in terms of his curve and his change, will probably regress to his career levels, um, which are, are still pretty decent. But uh, if they do do that, they're not great pitches. And so suddenly you've got kind of like a velocity and slider lefty, which does not really sound like a starter. Um, I'm rambling, but you know the, the point is, there's a big difference between what he's doing right now and what he's done over his career, and yet, in terms of movement and velocity, there's not a big difference. So, I tend to think that a little of this is, is fluke. The only only thing that I can come up to explain it is he spent a lot of time on his rehab, uh, focusing on command. And like you did mention that, his command is 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 better this year, and if he can use command to make all his pitches play up, um, I do think command is sort of that missing juice when it comes to platoon split. Because when we talk about the slider having a platoon split, then we mean, that means that like you hang a slider or you miss a slider to a to from a lefty to a righty that gets banged. But if you've got great command, maybe you never really hang that slider, never leave that slider in the middle of the zone. Um, so I, I'd say for him, the biggest thing is. And he's starting tonight. I'd watch the curve, uh, because I think the curve has more potential than the change. I'd watch the curve for some depth. It doesn't always have depth. And I'd watch his command uh, to see how how well he can command that pitch. And maybe maybe there can be a lefty Justin Masterson. There just really hasn't been a
0: lefty Justin Masterson ever before. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not give the listeners nightmares. No, no. Uh, again, we're talking about Derek Holland. He's – I think this is – This is what, before hearing this, my thoughts on him were. This is going to be the type of stretch that makes him a number of pundits kind of sleeper. Hey, everybody, it's a guy everybody forgot about last. uh, Mm -hmm. Forgot about. He's going to be a great buy at the end, and then it's going to turn out to be. And, and, but you make you make some good points as far as there could be something to it. I think it's. I mean, ultimately, it still sounds like it's, uh, for Holland in Holland's case, it's there could be, but we're probably, we're going to get a little more data before the season ends. And so we're going to get a better, a little bit better of an idea on that. And then as well, there's still a lot of reason to be incredibly cautious into thinking that he's anything more than what he's been. Uh, it, maybe he makes some slight improvements, but they don't necessarily result in, I mean, he's not suddenly a Cy Young award contender uh, be, uh, because of those things, I imagine. But uh
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think that this, this stretch Maybe is—
0: Maybe they allow him to be a little more consistent, because that seems to be an issue for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, consistency is. And so that's that's the only—that's why command is the is the real question mark. That's what I would be watching for most of all, because, um, you know, I think you, I agree with you that this stretch is, is likely to make him overvalued next year. I think that's sort of reading between the lines um, a little bit what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh relative to i mean it's you know he's probably like i said, like i mean you imagine him being one of those guys who's going to be way down your average cheat sheet list but relative to his end game tier he would be like you should, this would be the first guy you take in the final third of a draft kind of thing or something i don't know anyway.
1: i mean i would i would i would dig on that because he's had a one good really good year that yeah. would be worth worth it but i think this will make him leap up into you know, fancy number two, three, or maybe three, where, you know, once the twos are off the board, people are taking them as a three. And I think that might be a little bit... Too rich, uh,
0: too rich for my blood.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's too rich for my blood because, I mean, you're still talking about a guy who had a career ERA of 4.27, career whip of 1.32, um, and not, no real big reason for uh, his good year last year. No real big change in pitching mix. No, no, like, ah, his changeup finally figured it out. And when I say that his, his changeup and curve haven't changed much, and so therefore um, aren't that great, what I'm saying is his changeup doesn't really move much differently than his, than his sinker. His sinker actually has more fade than his changeup, and the changeup only has a half inch of vertical drop on the, change, on the, on the sinker. So the only difference really, uh, in effect, between his changeup and his sinker is like 6-7 miles an hour um, of velocity. And I think that if that's really the only difference, uh, a hitter can probably slow his bat enough to make contact. It may not be great contact, um, like but... You, it,
0: it helps it, him to foul some stuff off, or...
1: It could, it could lead to... I mean, it hasn't led to grounders in the past, so I won't say it'll lead to grounders, but maybe soft outs. That's that's kind of the, the place I don't feel so comfortable talking about, because soft outs, people are starting to talk about them again. At one point, soft outs didn't exist. I mean, we talked about dips theory, which is defense independent pitching and we said you know once the ball's in play um, you know it's it's 30 percent likely to be a hit full stop and uh, we're finding that that's not necessarily true but I'm still not super comfortable talking about a pitcher's ability to limit hard contact um, especially in the outfield and the infield I mean it just seems like uh, we don't really have great definitions for what hard contact is
0: not until and, not until we get access to hit
1: effects I think so. I think that changed some things, but I mean, the the stuff that people were using, like batted ball distance and stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of flaws in analyzing. it. I mean, it's certainly, it can be helpful, but yeah, I agree. I think that analyzing batted ball distance is there's some, there's some sincere, uh, sincere flaws in, in, in drawing many conclusions from it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's just hard to say, same thing. You know, like sometimes you were... you'll say, Oh, his, you know, his flies went, uh, you know, didn't go as far in his good year. Well, then they went further in his bad year. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like kind of, so kind of kind of like what you, you talked. Really have control over.
0: It. It's kind of like you've talked about before, like um, like ISO against and uh, yeah. and other types of splits. Like there, there. I mean, I think there's some value in it, but it only says like basically in the end, it mostly just tells us what is what happened. He got hammered. It's like no kidding. Like there could be a number <laughs> other. There could be yeah. other things that go into somebody who gets. Gets those types of results, such as sequence or command, or something that, where it's like the command of one pitch might help him, uh, might totally change an opponent's way that they approach the pitcher and respect other pitches and things like that. I mean, it's that it's, so it's it's really pitching is a complex thing. I'm glad I don't do it. yeah
1: you know for ISO year to year correlation for hitters is really bad or not really bad year to year, but it, within the year it's very hard to use it predictably. so I think about it like this you know Tom Glavin, yes, he managed to suppress homers. did we you know do we call every guy who has a Tom Glavin s season immediately Tom Glavin or do we wait three four years before we say okay, he's Tom Glavin
0: you know what I mean like I think Tom Glavin the- would have an issue with that if you started.
1: Right, exactly. Tom Glavin would be like, There's only one Tom Glavin. <laughs> so uh, so, you know, it's um, But
0: it might be worth it to hear him speak in third person.
1: <laughs> There's the thing that I hate most of all is the, the Greg Maddox comparisons. Oh my god. Anytime somebody has a sinker and any margin of control over the sinker, they're friggin' Greg Maddox. Michael Pineda, they say he was Greg Maddox on the Yankees on the Yankees cast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Michael Pineda is not Greg Maddox. And first of all, Greg Maddox never threw as hard as Michael Pineda. So, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna call Michael Pineda Greg Maddox until he does it for three, four, five years. So, I'm not gonna say that every guy who limits I'm, hard contact uh, I, has that ability.
0: Based, I mean, just as you said about the the fact that he doesn't, he never threw that hard. Like I'm never calling Michael Pineda Greg Maddox. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> Unless he starts throwing left-handed and it's uh, and it and it, he can get it over the plate consistently, but it's only like ninety or something like that, then he's never. Well, <laughs>
1: maybe he's lost a little bit down. Maybe that's what they were talking about. But I don't. You know, I've watched his starts. I, he has some decent command but in the, and it's a bendy pitch. But I don't think that uh, I wouldn't call him Craig <laughs> Uh
0: Sorry. Well, um, I guess. It, as we, I mean, there's there's a little bit of reason to, to have some hope for Derek Holland, as you said, but uh, let's not overvalue his undervaluedness next season, until at least until we know some more. Uh, and, and there are probably better places to look for pitchers, or there are just as good a place to look for pitchers. I sometimes think of them as better places when you talk about the National League, and not always before about the Mets, but uh, the Mets' rotation next year, obviously. We've talked a little bit about it before, but... The Mets rotation for 2015 and beyond is shaping up as a diabolical home of awesome pitching commodities. Uh, of course, the latest Jacob deGrom with the eight straight strikeouts to start his game on Monday night, 13 overall Ks. Then, uh, obviously, he's pretty good. And uh, Matt Harvey coming back, uh, uh, Zach Wheeler. Seeming to kind of make some some gains in command this year, that's definitely important. Snow uh, Syndergaard is just around the corner, of course, and we have Rafael Montero who made his debut, and he's kind of the back end guy. But that's not a bad if if he seems to harness. I think he's got a big problem with control, not so much. Maybe it is command issue too, but he seems to be just overly wild to me. But uh, if he can harness yeah, some I mean, of that, we've
1: we've, we've said se- we've spoken so glowingly of, of Degrom on this cast. Uh, you know, we don't need to do it anymore. The one thing that I would say is that it's nice to see the separation, the 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 fact that the slider is firmed up and it's faster, that's really worked for him. I think that's actually one of the things that's sort of underreported about his breakout is that the curve has been, you know, really important, but having the slider differentiate itself from the curve and be harder really gives him a, a legit four-pitch mix and the only time that DeGrom struggles is when his changeup is inconsistent, which it can be from time to time, and he admitted. But, um, you know, in general, uh, DeGrom just seems like a perfectly put-together uh, guy right now. It's just, you know, just enough of everything to make everything really awesome. And it's kind of what we, uh, what Harvey was doing when he was healthy. So there's really – I have nothing bad to say about either of those guys. Um, you know, maybe – uh, DeGrom's minor league stats will um, actually project him to lower strikeout rates than he should because those are still going to uh, be reflected in his projections next year. They're still going to reach back to his minor league stats. So if people are using projections um, to to create their value sheets, they may still, they may undervalue DeGrom a little bit next year.
0: That's why I always like to do in my projections. I make subjective tweaks.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. No, me too. I, I, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's, you know, I, I'm a little bit more on the Chris List side of things. You know, Chris List talks about, you know, we all know all the numbers. And then the, the thing that separates us at draft day is our subjective decisions. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's true. I mean, we can, we're, I mean, that's one thing that I said when I looked at, when I went to labor for the first time, I was like, you know, holy heck, everybody's values are super close. You know the only the only thing that I never that I never figured out and I still haven't figured out at labor is closers. My my values for closers are always well below everybody else's, and uh, the only thing that I figured out to do is just try to get one of the cheaper ones. <laughs> um, well, perhaps so, uh, I will
0: I will teach you that sometime because I'll probably never be back in labor.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, maybe you'll take my slot someday. But um, uh, uh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, you'll ha- we'll have to talk about closers because you bought some closers successfully at decent prices. Um and uh and I remember
0: I've gotten a couple by accident, so <laughs> just because of my values were way different, like way under what I guess other people's were or they or people just got cold feet. Casey Jansen two years ago in particular always stands out to me because Yeah. Everyone I think I think Sergio Santos went for a good bit more. Yeah. But anyway.
1: Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, my point is um, I'm, I'm willing to make subjective tweaks, and one of those will be probably to bump DeGrom's K9 in the projections uh, at least past 8 per 9 uh, because I think his projections will probably have him under 8 per 9. So in any case, um, you know, we love those guys. Wheeler is the question mark, and I just wanted to point out that uh, Dan Schwartz, new, uh, new, to, um, new to Rotographs, has written a couple good pieces that uh, talk about Wheeler One of the things that Wheeler does really well is, um, is is suppress zone contact, which to me seems like a stuff metric. I mean, that's really, that's a pitch that's in zone. The hitter deems it hittable, uh, and then the hitter can't hit it. I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, here it is, hit it. And, um, so, you know, I I agree with you. Command is a really big question mark. Also, his changeup is just not there with the rest of his pitches um so you know can he make it work with a velocity slider and uh curve yes because that's the garrett richards package and we've seen it work but the thing that garrett richards did that really stepped uh, forward was uh his command so you know i think if the changeup doesn't improve wheeler's going to have to improve his command he's done so marginally in the last in the first uh, couple tries at the big league so um you know he could really take a leap forward next year i'm not going to spend a ton of money on him because he hasn't really shown like a full season of great command, uh, that I'm, that I'm kind of looking for. But, um, uh, you know, there is, uh, there was definitely a marginal improvement this year. And if he couldn't make another marginal improvement next year, the stuff is there, uh, to have a strikeout per inning and, uh, really have a great year. So, you know, people will get mad about the friggin' um, about the Mets and how they're run. And I hate the owners too, but, um, You know, Harvey Wheeler Nice, uh, is uh, Harvey Wheeler, uh, Harvey DeGrom. I, that's how I put it. Harvey DeGrom, Wheeler Nice is a great front four. And then you start talking about Syndergaard and Cologne, and you've actually got six, seven, uh, and Montero. Uh, you know, let's not forget him on Montero. I mean, uh, you know, I was really, uh, worried about Montero, uh, coming in because he only threw the fastball pretty much, and that was kind of the MO, was that he was fastball slider and, Really loved his fastball, but you know, as we start getting more sample, um, his change and slider um, are both uh, above average pitches by whiff rates. So, you know, maybe he has enough there. He definitely has great command. He has uh, definitely you know decent velocity at ninety three. So, if that's your number seven, um, and then or number six, and and you've got you know Syndergaard after that, um, you know, you can they say you can never have too much pitching. But that's that's a nice lineup right there.
0: It is. It is. The thing that I guess the thing that concerns me about Matero is just that I mean sooner like he doesn't throw anything besides the fastball for strikes really. So like it's like don't isn't it just eventually one of those things that hitters will say, all right, well I keep swinging and missing at all this other stuff. I'm just going to wait when I'm I'm only going to swing at fastballs.
1: I guess you know what I would say if I was uh, you know a player. Uh, facing Montero is to, to be aggressive early in the count. Yeah. Because, you know, a guy like that,
0: um, see the Mets, the the Mets do need a hitting coach.
1: (laughs) Well, they, you know, they, they, they said that, um, you know, panic said that, you know, once you've got a guy with great, uh, breakers or, uh, you know, and, and a big fastball, you, then, you know, they're going to try and get ahead with the fastball. And, uh, you know, that's what I would see if I saw Montero, I would say I need to, um, I need to be aggressive against the fastball. And then when he's behind the count, he won't be able to throw, um, those breakers and benders. So,
0: yeah, like he uh, seems like a guy who is a long way away from being able to work backwards with any success. I'm yeah. Success.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really wish, uh, the Mets had had him throwing the other stuff more, yeah. you know, in the minor leagues. I wish that they had been like, you know, let's focus on change up and sliders and, you know, you know, maybe don't have to throw half, but, uh, you know, throw 40% change-ups and sliders um, in your starts, and uh, and let's see how you can improve that command. So if, if he can improve that command, you know, what's going to happen is one of those pitches is going to become his best pitch, and he's going to become a reliever.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and I think, I mean, the order you put him in is probably based on, is based probably somewhat on kind of the, um, the parade that they've shown us, but, I mean, I still. I mean, I put Cindergar well ahead of Montero. I would assume in terms of you know overall outcome and things like that. Uh, yeah, Sy- don't
1: don't worry too much about those Vegas numbers. Right, yeah, right. That's what we talked about that.
0: Yeah, like that. It's Vegas, and it's it, there's a number of things that suggest that this number is not anything reflecting his true talent. Is more so the combination, the environment, and perhaps even that they're asking him to work on certain things. And Maybe part. I mean, they didn't want to expose him to the majors this year, but I, I mean, I think it. I mean, certainly he'll be debuting sometime next year, barring uh, health disaster. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what'll honestly what'll happen is, um, you know, they've said that they can't spend any money. Uh, I really think uh just to go off on a real life tangent here real quick because uh, it's it's the Mets, but um <laughs> uh what they're i think what they're gonna do is uh trade cologne and or Murphy, which will save them twenty million mm-hmm. um and then you know hopefully uh not just pocket that change and you know that gives them twenty million dollars to spend maybe in the outfield um and uh they have pieces that can step in i mean I think montero could approximate uh, a cologne and if he can't then uh, I think Syndergaard can uh, may probably outdo cologne and um, between the two they have a decent uh, you know shot at having a good number five and then uh, Dilson Herrera has his flaws uh, but so does Daniel Murphy and Daniel Murphy's only going to get older so um, I think that uh, you know saving that 20 million and spending it somewhere else uh, you know could could benefit them
0: yeah, I would say quite a bit. Um, it's it's. I hate to I hate to acknowledge it, but it is almost exciting times for the Mets. As much as their owners suck, <laughs> they're not the Phillies. Uh, and just real quickly, Colorado they called up Eddie Butler. He's to start. It was it was initially it sounded like it was going to be on Tuesday, but now it's going to be on Saturday. And Butler is a guy we've talked about before. He is an exciting pitcher, uh, even even with Colorado as a backdrop. Um, it's been a rough season for him overall, but, uh, still a lot to like, I would say anything that concerns you about him long-term that you didn't see before. I mean, it wasn't a, it
1: wasn't a great, uh, a debut or anything. And, uh, you know, shoulder problems above all, you know, you know, that's, you gotta be really worried about that. Um, but we have these cool little, um. You know, scouting report things that are now in the in the on the
0: player pages and yeah, the, the uh, thing from Kylie I thought made him sound. I mean, he's yeah, as long as health is not an issue, he's
1: still- yeah. I mean, he's got he's got a 65 future 65 on the fastball, a future 60 on the changeup, uh, and 50 command. So, uh, and then the slider is 50. So you know, that's that sounds like above average uh, slider and command and, and good fastball change. And if you look at his Um, you know, per pitch metrics, there's very small sample, but, um, you've got 96, uh, miles an hour velocity. Uh, and then the changeup, uh, actually goes 89.6. So you might have a chance for like a Felix like changeup and the changeup, uh, drops, uh, like three to four inches more than his fastballs. And it, uh, has, uh, it doesn't have as much fade as a sinker, but I think when you've got that sort of three to four inch drop plus a six seven mile an hour uh, velocity difference, I think that could be pretty nasty. So far, he's gotten whiffs on seventeen uh, percent of those. Um, again, it's not a big sample, but I see enough in just in terms of movement, um, and uh, you know, just you just look at the the different movements he's got. He's got things that bend in one direction, things that bend in the other direction, things with more drop, uh, things with more rise. Uh, and he's got great velocity and a history of, uh, of good command of the minors. Um, you know, so I think I'm still happy. I'm still excited about him. I'm, I'm really wondering, he's gonna be right on the, on the cusp for me in this 18 team keeper where we keep like 25. I think that's sort of, uh, where I where I'm where I'm finding it uh, where, in terms of keeper value but you know if he has a couple good more starts, I think that that might change my opinion on it.
0: yeah I was gonna add, like I mean I would assume like you could go into next season and, like I would I would assume you could view a pitcher like Butler as I mean he's pitcher he's also a course field pitcher uh, yeah. in a keeper league and he didn't have a great year he came off the elbow or the shoulder injury like he you can't like you could you could get away with not keeping him and still get him back next year. At, at-
1: exactly, he'd be the kind of guy that I will leave off, but leave on my on my list.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I I'm always looking for that kind of a player. That's like when the um in that other league where I got all the sort of Richards. I'm gonna have uh, you know a list of in the offseason. I'll have a list of players um that have either standout pitches, uh, single pitches, standout velocity. Or, uh, or, or standout mix of pitches. I think those are the three ways to find sleepers. Um, and if you look at, you know, um, how that worked in the past, it's sort of the Kluber plan is the one with multiple pitches. The Richards plan is, is, uh, velocity. Um, I don't know who, who we can name the standout pitch plan after, but, uh, if Derek Holland works out, uh, <laughs> we can do the standout pitch plan as the Derek Holland plan.
0: Very nice, very nice. Well, um, speaking of standout pitches, do you think Alex Colomay has any? Uh, he had a he had a really nice start on Monday. Uh, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, on Monday, um, and six and two thirds uh, shutout innings, gave up only one walk with four strikeouts. He's I mean command or well command and or control uh, has really been an issue for him. I've never been quite sure which it is for him. Um, Jason is probably can speak to that a lot better than than I can, uh, but. Well, I think that maybe the the
1: difference command and control is.
0: Uh, I know the difference, uh, but uh, I'm not sure which uh, of them it is for him. I've n- actually never seen his start his start that was a. I was at, and I asked him about uh, you know what he thought of well, him. Is that he? In know, case
1: we disagree, uh, the way I see it is that uh, control is the ability to get it in the strike zone. Command is the ability to put it where exactly we
0: want. And I would say command you know, is. I mean, I think command is like the pitch, like pitch doing what you want it to like that's what you're expecting Ah, okay like commanding the fast or you know commanding your breaking ball means that it's breaking the way you doesn't, expect you don't hang many <laughs> right it's yeah it's uh-huh. not that. uh
1: uh-huh. that's interesting uh i would say his problem is control because i looked at the strike zone plot for his game monday uh, which was a decent game and he was all over the place. I mean, he doesn't—he doesn't throw it right down the middle. So that's something you can say for him. He did, <laughs> you know, he did an okay job of hitting some corners, but he has pitches—he has pitches that were six inches above the strike zone. And I'm not talking about one or two. He had three pitches that were five inches or more above the strike zone. Uh, you're talking about uh,
0: uh, a future closer. It sounds like.
1: <laughs> yeah. if you're talking about like uh you know oh wait I'm not even talking about fit, these are in feet this is in feet
0: <laughs> so
1: he had he had pitches okay, he had one two three four five six pitches that were more than a foot and a half above the strike zone alex col six times he missed by more than eighteen inches even if he was aiming high. <laughs> Imagine if he was aiming low on those pitches. <laughs> then we're talking about he missed by three or four or five feet. So uh and I think that actually, you know, you look at his at his minor league stats and you see it. I mean, walk rate's near five. Mm-hmm. Uh first time he came up, couldn't hit the broadside side of the barn. Uh I just think it's gonna hurt him. Uh I, I can't see I can't see it really working out unless he just starts throwing it down the middle, and I'm not <laughs> sure. I mean, he does have, uh, you know, good velocity at 94, 95, good slider, um, and he has some things going for him. Uh, he, he threw, uh, what do he throw? he throw? He threw six change-ups and got one whiff. So he does throw the change-up some, but it's one of those, it, you know, it, yeah, it has decent movement. It has decent movement. It goes further. It has my right, three inches more fade than his fastball and, uh, four inches more drop. So it's good movement, but it's, it's a 90. His fastball is a 95. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a good mix. It's just, he has no idea where it's going. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that, if, does that deserve a fourth, uh, a fourth plan? The fourth plan is like no. the guy who just like recovers his, his, his you know, finds some command
0: and, and is good for a while. You know, the more I the more I thought about think about it too um, the fact that the Rays traded for a major league ready pitcher in Drew Smiley um, in the David Price deal when they yeah. didn't, when that's like not always they're really their M O when they trade a big piece like that it's usually like to stockpile behind the guys that they're just now bringing up but they brought, yeah. they brought in someone who's ready to kind of take over that exact same position in the rotation. Kind of says to me that there's a combination of things, and that, and then Nate Karns comes up first. I mean, this could be just a simply a day of you know a, a schedule issue, but right, right. Karns is a more intriguing pitcher to me. I think as as a starting pitcher, I think I think that's probably a pretty easy thing to say.
1: Um, He's got some really nice uh, minor league strikeout rates, yeah. and um, you know, I think he has the stuff to back it up. In '94, um, I wish he threw the change more, uh, but he has in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it has, I think the way I, the, the way I just saw it, people have been asking me about Nate Carnes is like a, a streamer right now. And, um, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about his floor in terms of some of the matchups he's had. And, um, and you know, he's such, he's so young and he doesn't really have the pedigree, mm-hmm. uh, of some guys. So, you know not taking a very top prospect and sliding him in. It's like taking a guy who's had good numbers and hasn't necessarily been a top prospect and putting him in. So I wouldn't necessarily do that, but I would pick him up um, in keeper leagues, try to uh, find a way to put him in your minor league your roster, or see how you can pick him up, because the curve is, is really nice. He's got really good velocity, good whips on the fore seam, and the change so far is, looks about average. So if you can have an average change with a plus curve and plus velocity um that's good that's that's a, a really interesting pitch and I would put Nate Carnes well ahead of Alex Connery myself mm-hmm. again check with uh Colette sometime
0: <laughs> sounds like good advice and uh we can move to I mean Carnes uh, comes from the Washington actually he was a he was a top 10 prospect uh, according to uh, Baseball America for the Nationals coming into this season so uh, but not like he was. He was like on the fringe of the top ten. He wasn't uh, like one of their top guys. But he's so he, there's there's a little bit of pedigree, but it certainly is not the, the caliber. Yeah, I was set. talking more like top 100. Right. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. not in that neighborhood. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't mean doesn't mean that he can't be somebody. And uh, <laughs> speaking of Washington, I guess that Rafael Soriano was knocked around. Uh, in a... Came in with a four-run lead on Monday in the ninth inning. Uh, basically a pseudo-save situation and then uh, couldn't get out of it. Drew Storen was needed to clean up that mess, and then Storen picked up another save on Tuesday. I think there's no reason to think that uh, that those roles will change uh, rest of regular season. Um, Joaquin Soria with Jade, Joe Nathan needing a rest. Uh, uh, he had made appearances in two straight days. Soria picked up a save on Monday, which I—the only thing that struck me about that was how quickly they put Soria in a high leverage situation. Uh, it was, it was almost—it was only his second appearance since coming back off the DL, and he didn't really have like a rehab center or anything. But he handled it cleanly. That's the only thing that makes me think, wow, are they like—are they ready to say, given the crucial nature of the game, every game at this point in the season? I mean, they're—they're they're still kind of in the driver's seat now, back in the driver's seat for the AL Central spot. But we can't afford to give any games away. And if Nathan makes them at all nervous, do they go to Soria quickly? you think that's...
1: I, I I think that it works, cuts both ways. Yeah, I mean, it's like every game is super important. We can't let Nathan blow another one. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, Surya hasn't been around long enough to make this a louder conversation. But uh, I don't think Nathan's looked good even in, in saves he's closed out uh, recently.
0: It definitely looks like there's an element of crossing the fingers there on his part. Yeah.
1: I think I think Siri will get a save chance.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I think so by the end of the season. I'm glad I've still kept him in reserve in my two leagues. <laughs> uh, White Sox, they continue to be a little unclear as far as how the saves are going to shake down. Jake Petri- Uh was warming up while Zach Putnam locked down a save for the White Sox last night. So that's kind of a... Not real clear how they're going to handle it, but then again, it's the White Sox, and there's going to be only one or two save opportunities for the rest of the season for that team anyway. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I chose Aaron Sanchez and Labor over over Putnam just because Sanchez had the velocity I was looking for. And in uh, and Putnam and, and Patricia just seemed like um, they wouldn't get a lot of opportunities. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick up Saria first. Mm-hmm. I'll pick up Putnam second. Uh, I pick up pick up Mujica third, I guess.
0: Oh, gosh, Mujica.
1: Or no, I'll pick up Giles uh, third, and then Mujica fourth, I guess.
0: Yeah, it would be. Yeah, Giles has he's been phenomenal since his call up, and uh, with Jonathan Pavlovon suspended for seven games, that makes. I mean, I haven't seen any news, uh, significant news on this since. But it may you know, big two questions for me. I mean, is there is there even a point to? I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess bringing back. Pitches for the final week of the season, uh, but and probably more importantly is, I mean, he's at times kind of, I mean, it's it's far too long to say he's worn out as he's been there far too long to say he's worn out as welcome in Philadelphia. But it just seems like they're two different they're these are two parties that simply don't seem to mesh very well. Uh, he's I he's been I read on. read
1: recently that they paid uh, three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars per save.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah well that's that's, 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 an old, that's, that's a no that's whole yeah that's a whole other issue of stupidity that has nothing to do. <laughs> uh, i'm uh I'll forever be complaining about that until my- until I die uh that they paid him so much money to come there but um i mean given that he's been you know a sale- a cell candidate uh for the past year and a half almost for them um uh, i mean he seems like the type of player it might be easier to move. In the off season, especially when there's only one year left on the deal, it, does that seem like a real possibility based on this development with uh, the crotch grabbing and all that other stuff? And Ken Giles it does seem to get the air apparent.
1: Yeah, uh, the the thing is though, <laughs> that Roman I Amaro uh, Jr. has seems to have a hard time um, biting the bullet and taking taking what's offered to him.
0: This is true. Because he finds his offers insulting, which I think he should realize just means that uh, he should realize that he's not very smart.
1: I mean, how much are people, how much are people supposed to step up for Cliff Lee? I mean, <laughs> dude seemed like he was a, a half a tendon away from Tommy John. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody was going to step up to, to the fore. What was it, who was another player that didn't trade away that they could have? Uh, Marlon Byrd. They still have Marlon Bird. And dude, I am sorry, uh Ruben Amaro, that you can't find uh the next Dilson Herrera and Vic Black. Uh but you know when they were traded, Dilson Herrera and Vic Black for Marlon Bird, when when the Mets got that, that was a guy who couldn't play shortstop but probably didn't have the bat for second and a relieving in a reliever prospect. And you know what? The Mets were like yeah, thanks. We'll take that. You know what? Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do with Marlon Bird anyway? Right. <laughs> so they took it, and now Vic Black looks like a legitimate at least seventh, eighth inning guy, if not ninth. And uh Dilson Arrera might be their starting second baseman. So and you know, he, you take when you take a shot. You take the you take the uh two in the bush when the bird in the hand isn't worth much. Oh, it's bird. Oh, that oh went perfectly. That was
0: outstanding. I <laughs> This is like a this is a I can't think of the word but this is like this is this is a moment. I just in the sleeper on that, the, so obviously. <laughs> this is a moment in the his, in the Sleeper and Bus history. That should forever be remembered. <laughs> the act was fantastic. Right well yeah and then on top of it uh this year uh Bird is under contract for a, uh, one more year guaranteed and is making a lot more money so it's like you got to realize what you're dealing with. <laughs> it's, uh, I have no explanation for the Phillies, so it's probably time to move back to Tampa Bay where they do things a little better. Uh, Nick Franklin is up and he'll be playing a little bit for the Rays rest of the season. Obviously, it's only a week and a half left. He was in my uh, little bit of wait, little bitty waiver wire today. I uh, think I mean two for four in his first game back with a uh, double RBI run scored. I mean, this is still a talented player. We talked about this before, um, and can't help but think that part of the reason that he hasn't entirely gotten it going in the majors in the majors is because, I mean, he has 450 plus plate plate appearances in the majors, and they're broken up in a good into a good four to five separate stints in the majors at least, well, about four to five, um, over the course of what three years. So he hasn't really gotten a long legitimate shot. I think. And we know that there's uh, there's a little power, a little stolen base speed. Um, and part of the reason the stolen bases haven't really come is because he hasn't gotten on base a whole lot. So, I mean, this is, I, I think certainly, but this is a player we're going to be interested in for next season. He's going to be a sleeper for like two or three years in a row now uh, mm-hmm. for somebody. But he's only 23. It's not like he's, he's worn out his prospect status entirely. Uh,
1: That's a good point. I mean, he's not super old. He's not, you know, 27, 28. Um and it, uh, you know when I did uh, I, I I did some work with uh, Zimmerman on aging strikeout rate, um uh, and you can you can expect that to to improve until about twenty five twenty six so that's that's I think the the biggest question for him because he's struck out twenty eight twenty nine percent of the time so far in his career and it's not a big sample but it's almost a full season so um uh, you know. His in-season projections, rest of-season projections, have him only striking out 22% of the time, and that would be huge. That would mean that a, a .250, .260 average is possible, and then he really could be uh, Zabristian. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, obviously he hasn't really put it together the big league level, but I guess I have to admit that there's there's a really a good chance for a Zabrist in there because if he does only strike out 22% of the time. And shows league average power, and has a little bit of speed, and uh, has the ability to play short, but really should play um, at second, and and maybe can play a little outfield. I mean, that's you can almost that's almost describing Zobrist to a T.
0: Yeah, it's a player that the Rays have liked for a while. It turns out they revealed. Um, so uh, I, I tend to I tend to think that they know what they're doing when they evaluate players like this. They've been a little better at it with the pitchers than they have been with the hitters, but i um, to give them some benefit of the doubt. And it's worth noting that since Franklin has been a ray, he has struck out in only 25% of his plate appearances, so he's basically right on cue uh, for that. That sounds like <laughs> cool. ah, yeah, you, know you know what? You uh, know what? I'm going to totally ignore the fact that you is pointed that out. It. <laughs> For those... Uh, you know what? Here's something I i was really surprised, and because uh, I realized that I kind of fouled up my contingency or my second bids. Not fouled it up, but I, I didn't get it in the way I wanted uh, afterward, because I was running out of time on Sunday night. But no one picked up Rusty Castillo in, in tout uh, this past weekend. And, and I'm sure he went in the AL touts. So I know Jason said he had put in a bid for him, but uh, in the mixed league tout. And, uh, you know what? Is like As much as I'm not really intrigued by his talent, uh, I mean, he's still a guy who has some uh, unknown upside, even if there is a uh, an unknown floor as well, um, and maybe I can understand you're looking for some uh, some more concrete knowledge uh, in your commodities when you're going for it, and it's the final two weeks of the season or whatever. But and part of that is probably just I saw that there were only maybe maybe half the teams that even put in bids to begin with. That probably had something to do with it. But uh, <clears throat> Castillo will. Castillo will be making his major league debut tonight, uh, and he's also reported uh, prior prior to his actual call up is that he will play in the Arizona Fall League, uh, as well as the Puerto Rican Winter League this year, uh, this this winter. So uh, yeah. that's he's going to get a full slate of stuff uh, before he's subjected to spring training and comes out of basically comes out of that with a job because there's going to be no question that they're going to hand it to him. Uh, Any anything that's uh, I mean, uh, is there anything that strikes you about his minor league numbers? I guess at this point that says uh, I mean, there's there's really not much to draw any conclusions from, unfortunately, or fortunately. Maybe I'm not sure how to look at that.
1: Yeah, he doesn't even have a a Fangraphs page because the the uh, the work that he put in uh, in the minor leagues, I think, was in the playoffs.
0: Ah, sons of bitches.
1: So the numbers don't even come through. Sorry, that's uh, a family
0: show. I shouldn't have said that. But, uh. <laughs> uh,
1: in any case, uh, we'll get, we'll have one tomorrow and maybe we'll even have projections on it. Yeah. Uh, I have seen some projections. I saw an excellent post, uh, by Mark Normandon on how, uh, how the outfield will, uh, will, uh, will figure out next year. Um, and uh, I think he said basically...
0: Trade Dustin that... Pedroia. That'll be a lot easier.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think what he basically, just to um, uh, paraphrase, I guess, I think what he said basically is Bradley's not really in the picture anymore, uh, except as uh, maybe call-up, injury replacement, defensive uh, outfielder kind of guy. Um but that, uh, the big question is what happens with, um, Alan Craig and, um, and Shane Victorino. Because the way that he sees it, uh, the money they spent, um, Castillo's either going to be, you know, starting full time in the minors and they don't, something they don't like, they need him to work on until he can come up to the big leagues, or he's in the big leagues, uh, starting every day. And it's Castillo, uh, Cespedes, um, and then a question mark in right field. Which, uh, what that means for Betts um, is up in the air, too. Uh, but uh, I think basically what he was saying was um, Victorino is a good fourth outfielder because he's better against lefties, um, and he's defensively capable at every position. So you've got a, a sort of a platoon mate or a, or a, or a lefty uh, or a backup, uh guy who can play center, you limit him to 300, 400 plate appearances. Um, and uh, so that means Victorino's their fourth outfielder. Uh, I doubt that Craig wins the job over Betts, uh, but they may start the season uh, with Craig up and Betts down just because of options. Um, and, um, you know, it does give them flexibility in trades and stuff, so we haven't figured everything out. But um, there may be the outside chance that Betts starts in the minors Craig is the starting right fielder, uh, working with Victorino, um, and um, and uh, that and that uh, you know maybe Bradley makes it over Bets just because he's a, a backup guy. Uh, I doubt that they want Bets in the major leagues to be a fifth outfielder, backup second baseman um, type guy. Yeah, certainly so, not. That might be Nava. Uh, he may hang on for a little bit, but if Craig continues to underwhelm. Um, you know, I think that bets can take that job pretty easily.
0: Yeah, certainly, I would think that that would be the case. I, I would just, I would like to see them clear this up with a trade in the in the, this winter, just to kind of uh, put things a little more easily in perspective. Of course, then they might end up getting back some outfielder that makes it even more complicated. So,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, just the way they're set up, it, it seems like they have really good depth everywhere. But uh, but no thing...
0: overwhelming, nothing overwhelming.
1: Nothing overwhelming. So, if a star became available, uh, I think that would be they might get involved. Especially, I think it's like an ace pitcher, like a young ace uh, that's getting too expensive for some team. No name really, just you know, leaps to my mind. But um, you know, there there are often cases where Jake uh, Arrieta, (laughs) where a pitcher uh, leaves um, even a rebuilding team early because the package they can get back is so great um and um so that's a possibility Uh, also i guess third base uh you know between you know they may think they've got it uh handled out between you know middlebrooks and Ciccini and uh the different things and maybe they try bets there but you know bets didn't really like short stuff doesn't have the greatest arm i don't think he's their third baseman so i guess third base is the question um if a third baseman became available they may uh, have the pieces to make a trade there too
0: yeah, that would be interesting to see, I think. Uh, I, there's there's certainly less certainty in Toronto where the, uh, I guess, reports suggest that they plan to make a qualifying offer to Melky Cabrera, and that's something that we talked about, too. I mean, obviously he's coming off a great season, and considering that there are question marks in other areas of their outfield. It, it really does seem to make a lot of sense, and also it would seem to make a lot of sense for Cabrera to return there. Um, it just is unfortunate that it makes it sound, you know, I mean – Certainly, we've had some folks who have been really interested in Dalton Pompey. He does look like a pretty intriguing player, uh, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be necessarily a big part of the picture next season. But that doesn't doesn't uh, should not temper your enthusiasm about too much in the long term. Just uh,
1: he doesn't have a lot of time in Double A and Triple A, so you know it's not too crazy to put him back down there.
0: Yeah, Um, certainly.
1: And you know, as far as I'm concerned, personally. Uh, Anthony Goes has a, a fairly large bust rate still attached to him. Certainly, um, And, you know, if if he he did, you know, get the strikeout rate to maybe a manageable area, if he can have like a 320 on base percentage, uh, then his defense will probably float the bad batting average. But, um, you know, there's something about him that uh, smells a little bit like a backup outfielder.
0: Yeah, no, uh, definitely. No, no. I think that's... It. It, it shapes up. I think we talked about it before, but it shapes up with if, if you have Jose Bautista in right field, uh, Melky in left, and you start the year with a kind of a, go, a ghost pillar yeah. uh, platoon, and then once you're confident Pompey Pompe is ready, you can bring him up. And...
1: Yeah, and it goes like continues to sort of two twenty, two ninety with defense, and then you sort of say, "All right, it's time for Pompey," mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Uh, I, I think it's shaping it up that way. I think it's, it's pretty obvious they're not going to sign Rasmus. Yeah. Um, and if they have any money uh, to spend, I have a feeling it would be on, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, third base
0: or uh, starting pitcher. Brett Lowry. Uh, I guess he could, you know, Lowry needs to be a second. Is it Lowry or Lowry? I always get that. uh, Yeah, I'm not
1: going to venture a guess. Uh, I'm
0: usually terrible at these things.
1: Uh, But I I, I still like uh, Brett.
0: Uh, (laughs) At at second base, you like him more.
1: If they have some money, they'll spend it either on second or third, depending on what's available. Um, And I actually don't think they'll spend it on a starter just because they've spent and they've bought Burley and Dickey, basically. Um and they I think they're just going to wait on you know Stroman Norris or uh, Sanchez uh, turning into their ace.
0: Actually, actually, is assuming like that them. he doesn't have some health issues.
1: Yeah, I actually like them. You know, going to the next year because with Pompey they have a good backup plan for center field,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and uh, it, with uh, with with Stroman Norris and Sanchez, I think they have a decent shot at a number one. Maybe even a number one and a number
0: two, Um and um a really nice closer in Brandon Morrow. Then, hey, or McGowan. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, between uh, between the two oh. of them, they might combine to get a full season out of those guys and be an awesome closer. Yeah, and so if they can, if they it's have, assuming a that, bit that their of money. stints could be mutually exclusive, that would be nice if they could arrange that. <laughs>
1: they have a little bit of money yeah, i mean what they're going to save with rasmus they're going to save
0: uh, uh let's see 7 million
1: 7 million i mean um uh, so you know 10 a 10 million dollar second or third baseman could be a decent piece i don't i'm not i don't have the this is that, this is an off season conversation but any, in any yeah. case it does have ramifications for pompey i would say he's still close uh even if he doesn't start the season with them
0: and they uh $4 million wrapped up in Casey Jansen comes off the books as well. So,
1: Right. Yeah, I think they, they can match $10 million.
0: Yeah, easily, definitely. It would be an interesting situation there in Toronto. It's a, it's a team that has kind of quickly turned itself around. And, and Alex Anthopoulos seems to have taken his name off the chop block possibilities here, at least for the short term. Uh, and speaking of outfielders, which we've we been talking about, uh, we had a request to ask just about the. Sort of another uh, all season conversation, but uh, certainly an intriguing player, Starling Marte, and what his draft value in 2015 uh, might look like. I don't know if this was specifically because it's a keeper question or just because he likes the player and would hope to get him next season, but um, I mean, his year basically looks just like it did last year. Uh, I mean, he might, he'll approach 30 stolen bases, otherwise, it's not really any, any, all in all, I think considering the hubbub that people were really disappointed about the, the type of start that his season got off to, it's been a pretty good year. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it, you have to count as uh, positive that he kept that uh, batting average on balls and play really high again at three seventy two this year. Um, but, you know, I think that I'm always going to remember the low points, and I, this guy seems pretty streaky to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just, you know, Bill Petty has some research on volatility, which is, you know, basically a measure of streakiness, and the the one thing that's um, that's tied up with that is is uh, strikeout rate. So, um, you know, he's got a fairly high strikeout rate for the amount of power that he's got. Uh, we know that stolen bases, um, you know, age very poorly and, and 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 drop off very quickly. So even if he gets to 30 stolen bases next year, I'd probably pencil him in. Um, just because that Babbitt makes me nervous, the strikeout rate makes me nervous, the, the, the bad streaks this year make me nervous, and the aging of the, the, the stolen bases make me nervous. I'd probably pencil Starling Marte in for, uh, next year. 275 batting average, uh, 10 homers and 25 stolen bases. Um, in, uh, on base percentage leagues, probably a 330 uh, type on base percentage. So that? that's still useful, but it's not, um, it's not star material.
0: No, certainly not. He was well overvalued in in drafts this year, this past winter slash spring, I think, um, because he was being drafted as like a top 50, top or top 100, top 75 type already almost star uh, in a lot of leagues. I uh, did and saw. And the strikeout rate is concerning. uh, I mean, historically throughout the minor leagues, he's hit for a high average on balls in play. So that seems to suggest he hits the ball. Hard. That's kind of what my guess would be. I mean, he's and combine that with the speed. But I mean, he's next year will be his age 26 season. Uh, I'm not like I'm not concerned about the age of his speed yet. Uh, I don't know if you would be, but I'm I I don't I wait till around 30. Maybe I'm off on the aging curves on speed quite a bit. Well,
1: we just we just did it. We just did an aging curve on stolen bases, which is a little bit separate from speed. Uh, And they just Tanked really quickly, so maybe he's maybe he can do thirty again, uh, a year or two more. But I, before thirty, I would say that he's going to be down in the twenty twenty five range.
0: Okay, but there's also, I mean, there's still some um, potential projected power growth. I would imagine. I. I... Mm. I don't know. Uh, kind of thought he was viewed as that type that uh, not quite in the same boat as Andrew McCutcheon, But McCutcheon when he came up, was not necessarily well, considered a power hitter. But I, I, when I mean, I watch him on
1: the aging curve. You look at we did uh, Zimmerman and I did an ISO aging curve, and it peaked at twenty six. So uh, that would be next year for him. So maybe yeah. you can pump him up to fifteen homers, but uh, twenty seems like a stretch. Yeah.
0: Regardless, uh, it shouldn't cost as much to get him next year as it did this year. I would really like to think not, and, uh, uh, good luck to you. If that's your pursuit uh, next year, fellow, uh, listener, <laughs> uh, but just wanted to touch on a couple of injury things real quickly. Anthony Rizzo was back in the lineup at the beginning of this week and Jason and I had both expressed uh, concern that he, whether he would be, uh, of course he did also, as, a, as I mentioned in the blog post, uh, that, um, he did get a day off the next day. That might be. I mean, he might get another one at least off this week. So, but it's good to see him back in there. And Masahiro Tanaka, with that portion he's tentatively scheduled to start this Sunday against Toronto. This seems. Uh, I've seen some analysis on this about the tube and on the tube and stuff like that. Basically, this seems like, hey, the, the Yankees want to find out. Basically, is this guy going to need surgery? We want to know as soon as possible. There's no other reason to run him out there, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they also. uh, I think there is a benefit to keeping up normal schedules, and you know, he's not like a young prospect we have to build up innings. But I do think that if they want him to throw two hundred next year, then they want him to throw as close to two hundred as possible this year. So um, I think there is some benefit to to getting out there. And yeah, I guess uh, you know. If if he goes out there, uh, pitches at max effort in game, that's different than uh, simulated games. So they'll go out there, and if he grabs his elbow again, then they know, okay, now it's time for surgery. (laughs)
0: This is a good point. This is a good point. There are uh, a number of little other minor injury things going on. Nothing too significant uh, players that uh, you're not expecting to make any significant contributions. Although Joaquin Benoit, with the shoulder sore in this, uh, he could rejoin the Padres' bullpen as soon as Friday, so interesting to see what the Padres do between him and Kevin Quackenbush for the final week and a half of the season when he's back in there. Um, I would imagine they just put Benoit right back in the role uh, as soon as he shows that he's ready and uh uh, it sounds like you can go ahead and drop Martin Prado, Yunjin Jinru, probably Matt Latos, and uh, maybe even Tyson Ross, and at least Matt Shoemaker will skip a start, but uh, if you're streaming, then it sounds like it's okay to hold on to him, uh, especially in head-to-head leagues. I would think he's probably been a nice advantageous piece for you. I think that is going to do it for this episode of The Sleeper and the Bust. Uh, this has again been episode number 167. Thank you again Eno for joining us on this fine Wednesday afternoon.
1: Sorry for being a day late. Uh, you can blame Skype for that one, that uh, some somehow Skype was updating on Minix and uh, didn't want to tell him.
0: Yeah, it did not. Uh, and also, it, it chose not to tell me, and I was sitting there and then showing online to other people, but to me, Eno did not show online, so uh, it kind of made it hard for me to connect. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Freaking Skype yeah write a complaint on their uh reviews or something go to go to skype.com and, and give them help thank you very much for joining us again I, i've been your i am i still am your host nicholas Minix, and uh this has been the sleeper and the bust <laughs>